Lodi high, Heidi low, over the top, and away we go. Back again, episode, I think, 11, Cult of Personality, Mommy Shit is Dearest. <laughs> and I want to say this first before we talk about this movie. Um, when we did the Dawn of the Dead episode, I said that there's only one Blu-ray available. I figured, I found out last night that there is this company, and I want to get this right, you guys should check out, called Second Sight Films. And they're doing a restoration of the original uh, print of the movie. All bo- all three prints, final, uh, U.S. theatrical, and the European cut, overseen by Rubenstein, who was a producer of the original movies. Look out for that and buy one if you, if you like the movie. I will. I will, too. I'm excited for that. And, and they're doing Martin as well, which was one of... George A. Romero's movies that he did before uh, in between. Is this licensed? Or is this like yeah, a Yeah, like... with Rubenstein. Okay. The original producer. Um, so yeah, it's licensed. And they're doing Martin too. And I'm going to give away this code for the Evil Dead because I bought a copy of the 4K Evil Dead. And then we'll get to this movie. I'm not procrastinating, I swear. Uh, it is cbvayg2jphd can you, do that a little, can you do that a little bit slower? No, that's all you get. Um, and you do it at some website. This MovieRedeem.com. This is how you do it, okay? This Because I've listened to the radio before. C, B. This isn't radio. Hey. C, B, V, A. This is a future old man. Okay, and I have to start again. C, B, V, A. I need absolute silence. <laughs> I need absolute <laughs> silence when I'm reading this movie code. Okay, read the movie code. C B V A Y G two J P H D zero N D L four. That's C as in Carrie. No, good B enough. As in Barry, <laughs> That's good enough. V as in Veronica. A as in Arnold. Y as in You get the picture. Yvette. You get the picture. Mommy Dearest is a movie today. Uh, we needed, like, we were giving ourselves some gems, okay? We had Who Killed Captain Alex. We had Dawn of the Dead. We were loving watching those well, movies. Well, it wasn't that much of a gem because you gave it, like, sh- like no I know, but it was, it was fun to watch. Well, okay. And now we get Mommy Dearest. Matt, tell the listeners what Mommy Dearest is. So, Mommy Dearest, um, it's a docu, well, it's based on a true story. Now, if you're familiar with the actress Joan Crawford, who has an Academy Award, this is the tell-all. This is based on a novel, and it's a tell-all by her daughter, Christina Crawford, about how she was a very abusive and manipulative mother. Yeah. And the film chronicles Joan Crawford from Christina Crawford's adoption as a young child to her grown up until... Joan Crawford's death. Uh, this one's got Faye Dunaway, Mara Hobel, Diana Scarwood in it. Faye Dunaway is probably the big star in this one. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's a pretty good movie. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, it's a real life story. So, I mean, we can't really do spoiler free. No, we don't have to. Uh, there's, there's, no, there's no spoiler because the premise, the reason this movie got made is the only spoiler, which is uh, Chris, uh, Joan Crawford beat the shit out of her kids all the time. Like John Lennon and Yoko Ono. 
John Lennon was beating his wife. He beat his son so bad, Julian, that he and he screamed so much that Julian went deaf in one ear. And he's going to women in the bar, and he's and he's. I'm not asking you to fucking marry me, am I? <laughs> and he's going calling meetings at six a.m. saying I'm Jesus. Yeah. And Ringo saying, "Can I go eat lunch now?" <laughs> and he's making songs about talking about how great the world would be if there's no religion. And he's and he's calling Paul's hits granny shit. Anyways, that is this isn't a hit piece on John Lennon. This is a hit piece on Joan Crawford. No, it's a hit piece on the makers of this film because this movie sucks. Well, okay, so let's just jump right into it. Okay, and then before we start, I want to say this was suggested to us by Caitlin, mm-hmm. uh, guest of the show. Yeah. She said, watch Mommy Dearest. We hadn't really heard of it. Um, and we said, okay, it had cult in the Wikipedia synopsis, so that fits the criteria for the show. There we go, yep. Um, maybe one of the great pranks of all time long control a long control where she planted the seed like three weeks ago and we waited and we watched this movie oh it was a great time so let's talk about it let's talk about it so here maybe i'll just start with this just to kind of set the mood for the show what do you think was a point of them making this movie? The point of this movie was like okay. <laughs> what do you mean what was the what, So, the point so was when to you make, make a, when you when you make a biopic, there has to be a reason that you're picking this person's life story to put on the big screen. Basically, I well, I guess it's just an exposé like did you Do you guys, think it's a hit piece? Yeah, it's like well, I mean, what else would it be? The Joan Crawford is a monster in this movie. So here, here's the thing, and here's one of the reasons that I think it's so crappy to me is I think it was supposed to be part hit piece, part kind of like look at this woman who is so beautiful in the public space. She's well respected, but at home she can be a monster, and I think it's trying to shine a bit of a light on domestic abuse. But the problem with this movie is that to me, it handles such a serious topic in such an embarrassing way that you just laugh at all the parts that you should be traumatized by. Yeah. If this movie was done right, this would be a horror movie, basically. Yeah. Like, I mean, the big, the big abuse. I mean, like, I mean, it's hard. To, it's it's almost. I almost feel bad for laughing at it. But like, when you see Joan Crawford, like. Hulk Hogan slam her daughter through a glass table while choking her out. It's like, how can you not laugh at like this is over the top and and I'm sure that this is happening to people in real life and yeah. that's really fucked up. But this is it's like the way it's filmed. It's like a joke, especially because Joan Crawford in this movie is so like she's it's really eccentric. And she's gonna yeah yeah everyone like from what I've read, people are really congratulatory about her performance as Joan Crawford but I don't even think it's that great I think it's good I mean as a as a as a standout it's easily the standout performance yeah simply because well yeah I mean you have to keep in mind number one when you get a famous actress playing other famous actress people are gonna say "Ooh, that was really good Mm -hmm. because you know ooh, Meryl Streep is playing 
mm, uh, you know, <laughs> fucking Grace Kelly or whatever. Yeah. You know, that's so that's Oscar worthy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the performance is fine. It's I mean, it very much fits the mood of the movie for better or for worse, mm-hmm. which is which is kind of strange. Mostly <laughs> kind of strange there. There's one scene that was just it's so poorly done like there's a scene where later on the film Joan Crawford comes in uh Christina is that her her name yeah. Christina's room in the middle of the night while she's sleeping and like cleaning up her clothes and then she is putting Christina's clothes away because in this movie I should say Joan Crawford is presented as someone with I'm going to just say OCD yeah she's got like yeah we they present that early she uh even before she adopts Christina she's, it's like the opening scene I think yeah she's cleaning the house and then she ins- she's inspecting her cleaning ladies cleaning and she's like dissatisfied and she says we're gonna do this again we're gonna do this again and then they clean and then they continue to clean so she has some sort of obsessive disorder uh you know so she's sort of a perfectionist and she needs everything to be perfect mm-hmm. and happy yeah and wonderful uh, but of course, you know, you know, slamming your daughter through a glass table is not really the best way to achieve that, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah, they set up that. Uh, they set that up at first that she has some sort of obsessive compulsive disorder, and they also set up that her mom was also a piece of shit. Yeah. And they do this right in the movie that they show that, you know, they say her mom was a piece of shit. Now Joan Crawford is a piece of shit. And then you see scenes where Christina is starting to get those little quirks, too. Yeah. You know, like abuse begets abuse. Yeah. Begets abuse or whatever. Yeah. Uh, But anyways, Joan Crawford comes in the middle of the night. And this is I would probably say the big scene of the movie. Uh, And she finds that uh, Christina has hung up one of her dresses on a wire hanger. And then she has a complete meltdown and wakes Christina up by, like, yelling at her. And Joan Crawford is in this face mask, so her face looks really fucked and ugly, which kind of helps add to the scene. And she's yelling at her about having her dress up on a wire hanger. And then she takes a wire hanger and starts spanking Christina with it. But they do a cut where it's just her slapping what's clearly a pillow. Yeah. It's, like... You know when there's, like, scenes in movies where it's just in that, uh, what's it called, Uncanny Valley, where you just know that it's not her hitting a person? You can't explain it, but just, like, you know how, like, something looks when it hits a person? It's like like Thor's fat suit in the new Avengers or whatever. Yeah. Where it's like, "Mm, that's not Chris Hemsworth. No. It just doesn't work as well as they'd like it to. Yeah. Or, like, CG or deep fake Princess Leia in... In any of in them, Rogue One or Rise of Skywalker, yeah, that was that was rough. Don't do, stop CGIing old people. It's no in twenty in twenty years maybe. But yeah, maybe in twenty years. Because I remember, like, even if you think about Tron when Tron Legacy came and out, they did Jeff Bridges, yeah, and people are like, "This is awesome." And if you go look back at it, holy shit! Like, oh, Christ. Even, like, even like in the big-budget movies, like Robert Downey Jr. and and, and the, another Marvel movie in uh, Civil War, where yes. they do that young, young. thing. It's like, this looks really weird. Mm-hmm. Or Michael Douglas and Ant-Man. They do that a lot in Marvel movies. Just don't do that, please. Yeah. 
I would much rather they just hire younger people to play. Yeah, I really don't mind if they're just like this guy who kind of looks like Michael Douglas is Michael Douglas. The pe- I guess the studios are saying that people are so stupid that they won't be able to understand that that's a younger version, so they have to CGI them. I guess. Or, you know what, to be fair, like someone like Michael Douglas is arguably iconic when they're young, right? Because they made movies when they were younger. Mm-hmm. So maybe like, but like Robert Downey Jr., and he, I guess he was in some teen stuff, but whatever, you know. Anyway. But we're shooting up junk. Uh, okay. Low low blow. Well, Mr. Ju- Mr. Downey Jr., we'd love to have you on the show. We apologize for that. We do not mean that. We don't. Um, so, yeah, they said that Fucking up. Fucking junkie. <laughs> and, um, yeah, I'm, I, that, that, it, that's just one example of this movie where they just take an idea that should be horrifying and they just portray it in such a terrible, like the execution of this movie is just so bad. It's comic and it's apparently this film has become a cult, has developed a cult following because of its uh, role as an unintentional comedy. So it's not just us. So it's not just us being poor twisted bastards. You know, it's everybody thinks this movie's portrayal of abuse is terribly done in the way that it's trying to convey it and it's just really funny there's only like a few there's like three abuse scenes that i can remember and it's joan crawford cutting off uh christina's hair yeah and then the why wire hanger fiasco and then when she choke slams her through a table and chokes her yeah and you know what the haircut abuse scene and yeah there's like a few centerpiece abuse scenes that haircut abuse scene is still hilariously bad because Christina's just playing like acting, like mm-hmm. pretending to be like her mom. And for some reason, this enrages her mother. Yeah. How could you pretend to be like me? And then she's just like, oh, you did your hair a little bit. I couldn't even notice the chain. And just she, she had some like up. she had some spray in her hair, like some setting spray. Yeah, and then she just starts clipping the hair off and she's like, I can't go to school like this. And she's like, I don't care. I don't care. And I'm like, what is happening? Like right now, like what, what? Like I, I understand that. I guess uh, you know, I'm sure that there's kids who are abused who say, I don't know why my parents would just get mad randomly or whatever. Yeah. But I don't know. I'm trying to think of an example of ab- of of abuse in film that is better portrayed than this. I can't think of any off the top of my head, but I'm sure there's stuff better than this. Yeah. Um, we need to talk about arguably one of the worst portions of the film or uh, components of the film or whatever you you have it. The editing in this film. I was thinking about this. I know what you're going to say. I don't think it's editing, but I'll let you keep going. I think it's editing to to a degree because what we have here is that and it okay the, this movie follows Christina from essentially birth when she's a baby until she's some 25 years old yeah now the sh- progression of time in this movie is awful it's so bad y- like towards the end of the film Christina is like Faye Dunaway as Joan Crawford is alive and well Randomly, we get a cut to her sick in bed in the hospital with no lead up. And then she's dead. No contacts. Next. And then Christine is talking on TV. Literally cuts to the next scene. She's dead. <laughs> what? Where's the buildup? And this happens so many times in this film where, like, time will just skip and 
there's like no proper sense of progression at all. Like, I mean, there's bio, like I've watched a lot of biopics and they do, and that cover like the lifespan of a person, you know, and it, it's just better than it's done here. And what what you get with movies like that that do it right is when they do like a, t- a jump forward, they can either do it the lazy way where they just put like three years later on the screen or they can do it like they'll be watching, the character will be watching the news and then there'll be some historic event going on. Yeah, or some, like or, that's so basic. Yeah. Like, how do you fuck that up really? Or like, like, or just like have like a pivotal scene happen and then like even just have them like, I don't know, like have their baby be born and then you skip and the baby's a bit older and you kind of get that it's a few years past. This will like, there was a scene where Christina, like it's really bad when you can, when in one scene it has this actress playing Christina and then like it cuts to another actress and you're like, oh, that's supposed to be Christina and this Mm -hmm. is like five years later. Mm -hmm. And it's like, oh my God. And I, I And I agree with you in the sense that this is not all editing because that is just that's part of the script because in the script they say yeah i was gonna say in the script it probably just said jump three years later yeah exactly but it also is an editing problem because sometimes the cuts that happen in this film are so blunt yes yes they are they're so blunt like there's no there's no like nice send-off it'll just be characters talking and then the conversation ends and then cut to five years (laughs) later yes and that's so terrible I, and it was so funny when we were watching it. Uh, when she held up baby Christina, I'm like, it's gonna cut to like three years later, and then it did, because the cuts are bad just from the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. And it's and it's like and it's and when and it makes a movie that I think that's also why this movie is like kind of funny because like it's weird to see these like scenes happen what in whatever context and then you just cut to some completely different subject right away. It's like. This is film school 101. Like, don't smash cut to something else, like, f- like every five seconds. Like, it's it's awful. I, it's this is one of the films where I really notice the editing. Usually, I don't notice, you know, editing, you know, mm-hmm. like stuff like that, like some of the minute details of the filmmaking process. But this was horrendous, outrageous. And there's even camera work problems because I remember you probably remember when we were watching this movie I think there's at least two scenes where I'm like are they gonna fucking say cut yes and the other thing is that and that also is an editing issue because the hold on a person's face for way too long you know yes. in the film when you get a reaction shot of somebody you know somebody passes or you know an accident happens or or somebody's uh, processing information and you, and you and you linger on their face and you try to you know, focus on what they're feeling and you try to understand the depth of their expression and stuff like that. This does that and then adds an extra 15 seconds. It's way too long. There's I, I, two scenes that I know where it would just be on Joan's face. And we and just... Are and they going to say cut? And it's like we look at each other like... Yep, that's right. her face. And... Keeps going. And cut and... I don't know if they have wanted to pad out the runtime on this because because on- it's two fucking hours long, <laughs> and they needed this to be t- if the studio needed this to be two hours long. I don't know if that's how it is, but um, it's uh, yeah. There's some and that's that's sort of also an editing problem and just a directing problem in general. Uh, it's not well done. And there are so many repeating scenes in this movie. Like there are probably at least five scenes where Joan has 
her and Christina and her henchmen sitting around a table packing signed autographs of her to send to fans. <laughs> At least five scenes. Why do we need five scenes of that? They just keep showing the same shit. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, yeah. I, I mean, I I suppose they're just... I like. I'm curious as what to what the as to what the book is like because obviously you can't just have the book be Christina narrating her abuse over and over. Yeah. Uh, so of course they added uh, subplots and such. One of example is there's a recurring subplot which is um, Joan Crawford's romantic life, mm-hmm. and she has a few suitors, so to speak, in this film. Yeah. First guy is some Robert Redford looking guy. I He's forgot. a lawyer. He's a lawyer for mm-hmm. the for the studio that she works for. Yeah. Um. He's he he's he's a uh, Christina's uncle. Yes. That, <laughs> that she sees kiss her mom every day. Um. The the recurring theme in Joan Crawford's, I think the the idea idea with these subplots is that Joan Crawford as a person did not get enough love from people, and perhaps why that's. I, I think the lawyer character was pretty nice to her. I felt well. He was like, I mean, he's tell like in that last scene, he's like, "You're washed up and old, and I don't want you." Well, she was being rude before that. She was, and I can only imagine what it would be like being Joan Crawford's boyfriend. Her her squeeze when he's over at her house, and then she he watches her be a piece of shit to her kid, and he's like, "Okay." <laughs> Right on. And then she marries a soda, some Pepsi guy. I, I wanted to look that up. Was he like uh, the head of Pepsi? Because he was on like the board of directors of Pepsi. Yeah. And then she's like, he's like, you're spending too much money. And then he, and then cuts to him dead. 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 It, it cuts to just they're at a they're getting married. It cuts to them at an apartment doing building. Something. They're building an apartment. And then it cuts to the board of directors, and you're like, all right, we'll see him come in. Uh, yeah, so we're settling the estate of Mr. Pepsi here. and uh, We're sorry for your loss. Huh? What? <laughs> what is going on, man? It's like, and it just it just makes hard, it makes it hard to get invested in the film or in the character because you're like, all right, well, something's going to happen in the next five minutes to change the whole status quo of what's happening yeah. right now. And it's not going to be done in a dramatic fashion. Or a sensitive fashion. It's just going to happen. Mm-hmm. The character is going to tell you it happened. Yeah. You know, Christina's just going to, it's just going to cut the Christine. It's just going to cut the Joan Crawford sick in bed. And Christina said, my do- my mom is sick. And then it'll cut the uh, Christina at the funeral. And Joan Crawford's dead. My mom is dead. Uh, I want to say this. A character just disappears in this movie. Let's talk, let's talk about the problem child in this film. And the reason he's a problem child is because he's practically non-existent. Yeah. So there's Chris Joan Crawford had or adopted two children because she she's infertile, I think. Or what was the issue with? She I I, I think she just couldn't get somebody to put a baby in her. No, that wasn't it. They're talking at the beginning. But I think she was just infertile, and she okay. could. Um, so she has she adopted Christina first, and then a young boy, Christopher, was his name, right? Yes. And we see Christopher as pretty much a prop in some scenes. He has one line uh, that I can remember when. So after Joan and Christina have their wire incident, then Christine um, Joan takes Christina into the bathroom. She's like, "Did you clean the bathroom?" And she's like, "Yep." And she's like, "Let's clean it again." And then she trashes a place. 
and then Christina's like, I don't know what to do, like, with all this. And then Christopher comes up in his, and he's wearing, like, this strap on his body. Yeah, in that scene, it reveals, like, Christopher, like, like I think the covers get pulled off him. And inexplicably, we don't know if he's got autism. We don't know if he's just a, if Joan is just really hates her kids. You just see him strapped into his bed yeah. with, like, three straps. And you're like, all right, this guy's getting strapped into his bed every night. And he gets up and he undoes his. I guess he undoes his own straps so he knows how to get out of them. I guess which, so. Which is also kind of funny. Like he just kind of pretends to be in the straps, and and then he gets up. He's like, "You need help," and she's like, "No, she's gonna hurt me." And he's like, "Okay." And then he goes back to sleep. <laughs> we never see this character again for twenty five. No, we do see her. We do see him again at the end of the movie. Jump twenty years. So when we see Christina in her uh, teen years and her adult years. We don't see Christopher once, and he's not mentioned. And I've said this before, but if you're going to do something like that, just have a throwaway line like, how's Christopher doing? Oh, he's, he's doing all right. Okay. No, and it's and it's weird that the synopsis for this film specifically says it documents the abuse of Christina and Christopher. And I understand that Christina wrote the book, so obviously she's probably she probably mentioned some abuse to Christopher, but obviously it's going to be based on her experiences. Mm-hmm. But, like, Christopher is such a nothing character in this film. You even wonder why you wonder why they even bothered to have him other than to be historically accurate. Yeah, I don't remember there being one time in this movie when he was explicitly yelled at. The only the only abuse that we can see from this movie is that he gets strapped into bed and he can get out. And he can get out of that. And then he's and then we we see him at the funeral at the end of the film. And he and it's so funny because Christina just comes up with her husband and she's like, oh, this is my husband. Yeah. And here's my brother. And he's yeah. like, hey, I'm back. And like we didn't see Christina go on a date. We didn't see any. I mean, I understand that you, you can't show every aspect of every character's life. But Christ, like not a throwaway thing. Like I'm seeing a guy earlier in the film. It's just, oh, here's my husband, David or whatever. Yeah. And we're like, cool. I mean, at that point in the film, I was like, cool. Let's take anything at face value now. Uh, here's of, my uh, here's my nephew. Oh, here's my genetically altered uh, <laughs> mutant rat I have in the back that I've been <laughs> breeding to, to take over the U.S. government. And I'm like, oh, cool. That's awesome. Like this movie has no focus. It I doesn't know what it wants to be. It just wants to hate Joan Crawford. Ebert described it as we read in a review earlier before the film. I don't know if I necessarily agree, but he said this film is just depressing, and the point is not to move people or to be dramatic. It's just to depress. Yeah. And, I mean, it's kind of right to a degree because this film is just showing the abuse that Joan Crawford show did to her children. Mm-hmm. Um Spliced with some scenes of Joe, Joan Crawford burning out of Hollywood, yeah, and burning out of her own relationships, and that's about it. There's a few. There are a few positive things that I just I want to say quickly. Number one, I like all the sets. Yeah, sets are fine. I didn't live in the fifties or sixties, unfortunately. Well, fortunately, um, so I don't know what <laughs> it looked like, but I'm assuming this is all accurate. I really like the costumes. Yeah, Joan Crawford is pretty much in a different outfit literally every scene you know yeah like the production value for this film besides like the shitty like cinematography and editing in terms of like sets and costume design it's like it's like you would think this is a prestige picture kind of deal mm-hmm. like a tentpole biopic for oscar season but the script is so 
bad. The script is so bad. It's all over the place. It gives you way too many, like, way too much information. It's like they forgot that they, you have to, like, actually write some good lines to get an Oscar and not just have famous actress play famous actress and act really, really hard. Yeah, and I think her performance is good. Uh, Christina is a kid actor. Great. Yeah, actually. You I know what? More the... impressive than some of the Jones stuff. And well, you know what? Younger Christina is more impressive than older Christina. Yep. Although, I suppose older Christina's spiel is that she's kind of just been worn down by her abuse. So she's kind of monotone mostly. I guess so, yeah. But yeah, young Christina for the bulk of the movie is, yeah, probably one of the outstanding actresses in the film. Young and, Christopher, amazing performance. <laughs> young, amazing, amazing performance when he jumps out of bed and says, hey, you want some help? Uh, no, I can't. She's going to hurt me. All right, see you later, sis. <laughs> and then we see him 20 years later. And older older Christopher is amazing. He as knocks it out of the park. When they're reading the will, and he goes, well, that sounds par for the course for mom. <laughs> and then the movie ends. <laughs> oh, f- okay. Uh, th- I know we're jumping all over the place, but because you brought it up, I have this to talk about This movie is it. all over the place, so it doesn't the, matter. The ending of this movie makes no fucking sense. So... Joan dies. They have a funeral that we don't see. Go figure. And all we see is an open casket shot for like a little bit. And then it just cuts to uh, Christina and Christopher talking to a lawyer about what's left for them in the will. And he says, the lawyer says, you guys are getting nothing. And then Christopher says, yeah, it sounds par for the course. Mama got the last laugh. And then Christina says, did she? And then it just and then pans on her face and then she says and then she waits like 10 seconds and she said did she and then it, and then it keeps just panning on her face and I looked at Matt I'm like are they g- gonna fade out are they gonna and then it just fades on her face to the credits and like I was thinking uh, yeah she did get the last laugh yep I suppose the idea is that she didn't get the last laugh because Christina wrote this expose on her and now everybody knows that Joan Crawford is a big meanie. They must have known because the part in the movie where Joan chokeslams the shit out of her daughter, (laughs) uh, there's a reporter in her house. Uh, She probably told her not to tell anybody about that. I'm sure she did. I should have done more research for this episode, but I'm sure she did. Okay, well, it's like in now. It's like now, you you know, give me any given actor and you're going to hear rumblings about their abuse. And then, of course, somebody will do a tell-all and then we officially know that... You know, ex like Brian Singer molested little boys or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, like actually, Brian Singer is a good example where everyone's like, D- "Did he abuse people?" Like, we get like there are just rumblings about it, and then people are like, "Yeah, he explicitly abused me." So I g- I'm guessing that's the situation with Joan Crawford here. I had to have to look it up or research it. I don't know how her perception was, especially because it seems like her mother would was towards the end of her acting career. Mm-hmm. And we should talk about the part of the film that focuses on her struggles as she becomes an aging actress. Yeah, she does win a motion picture in this film, but she, her contracts get her contract gets bought out at both Metro Golden yeah. Goldwyn Mayer and at Warner later in the film. Mm-hmm. And I suppose the point of the, and I suppose the idea is that part of Joan Crawford's anger or frustration that she's taken out on her children has to do with her own feelings of futility or whatever because she can't make relationships work. Mm -hmm. She can't have kids. And her acting career is on the decline. And she becomes an alcoholic. 
Oh yeah, and she becomes an alcoholic. That's also not handled very well. She just you just see her like comically sipping a little uh, flask. Yeah, she pulls out a flask, and then like Christina finds her, and she's like, "Wake up, mom! What's going on?" And then the the Carol Ann, who is the maid that uh, who gets a ton of screen time. Yeah, I mean she's fine. It's just I don't know. I guess I guess she played a big part in the story. She probably she probably should go to prison for uh, aiding and abetting so much abuse. When Joan, when when a when you're serving a woman and she says, "Wake up, my kids! It's two a.m. and I want them to cut all these flowers." Maybe you should like kind of diffuse the situation <laughs> rather than waking up the kids and making them go outside. Well, she kind of and Caroline has Stockholm syndrome in this movie because she she has like scenes where she's trying to like cope with Christina, where she's like, "Your mom's under a lot of stress, okay." Like yeah, you just have to pull through here. For well, her. I don't know if that's just because she's getting paid for it, or maybe I don't know. But yeah, sorry, what were you saying before that? No, I was saying that follows her and her and her uh, declining role in Hollywood. Yeah, and like her her own f- like yeah her futility with like whatever her her declining career and then what was it? why did I mention Carol Ann? Oh, I don't know. We just got sidetracked. Damn it! Okay, give me a second, guys. Yeah, sure. Okay, I'm just gonna say this while you you remember it. Um, the so it cuts to Christina when she's I I thought she was supposed to be 20, but she was like supposed to be a teenager, and she's it's like, hard to tell. It's hard to tell because she does like um a baby voice sometimes, like Madonna does, like trying to sound like a sexy five year old. <laughs> And then she'll do her regular voice on a dime. And the other thing is that she looks like an adult woman dressed as a child. Yeah. And I guess that's supposed to show her development has been stunted due to a really. That's, I think I think that's a cope. Am I you know, am I coping? I'll give these I'll give these guys some credit. You know, I mean, <laughs> shit. I, I like to think there's some layers to this film. And it just like. There's this weird side plot where she's at boarding school and then has sex with a guy, and then she. They don't even have sex. They just get caught kissing. Yeah, they get caught kissing, and then. And and Jonas, how dare you kiss this boy while she's running around with like a million like like, she's got for lack of a better term side guys. Yeah, yep. <laughs> she got these yuppies. She got these call boys on on her on yeah. speed dial whenever yeah. she's she needs a fix. You know, <laughs> it's strange. There's a weird side plot where uh, Christina, when she eventually becomes an adult, played by the same actress who plays teenager her and adult her, she is now just playing in some soap opera. And then she gets like appendicitis. No, she had um, ovarian cancer. She had an ovarian tumor. I think it was and, benign. They and, just had to remove it. And I'm not a medical expert, not yet. Um, but I don't know. Do benign ovarian tumors make you look like a zombie the day after <laughs> you are diagnosed with one? Look, that's not even the big problem. And I I didn't look into this. And I suppose this is a this is something that happened, but then Joan Crawford fills in for her daughter in this okay. dumbass soap opera. And I, that I've seen that scene before. Yeah. And I don't know if I've seen it in a dream or like on TV in passing, but when we watch a movie, I'm like, I've seen this before. Yeah. And I didn't recognize anything else from this movie except for that one scene. So yeah, Joan Crawford fills in for her and makes like a big 
because they used to do soap operas live. Yeah, apparently I just found that out while watching this movie, which is seems like a terrible idea. Yeah. Um and Joan Crawford was like stumbling on her lines and drinking alcohol in between commercial breaks and the actor like her co-star had to kind of co- like Keep her going. Her. We have to uh, we have to applaud this film for providing the source material source material for the Bella Lugosi storyline in Ed Wood, in which he also is a washed up. Yeah, that's ad- a better example of this shit. Well, this is the f- this was first. Well, who gives a rat's ass? Well, I'm just saying, you know, this Sucks. is okay. Well, <laughs> you know, they tr- they tried they worked hard on this movie. Yeah, somebody did. Yeah, like. And, like, they did a much better job in Ed Wood showing Bella Lugosi's declining yeah, role in Hollywood. Way, way better. fucking better. That was, like, that was... And the thing is, because it's kind of muddled with Joan Crawford, you're like, you don't really understand why. You we understand need better what, foundation. You understand with Bella Lugosi, he's been typecast, he's Dracula, and then he's kind of past his prime at that point, especially yeah. because he devolved into morphine addiction or whatever. Mm-hmm. So you sort of understand why he's fading and you know that helps you sympathize with him. With Joan Crawford, it's like she's like, they buy out her contract and then she wins an Oscar and then they buy I didn't even contra- understand, like, uh, that was so weird. That she won an Oscar. Yeah, it just cuts to her winning an Oscar, and I'm like, huh? And then she they got the press outside, and she's like, oh, my adoring fans, thank you so much. Like this movie has no direction. And then like they, and then uh, yeah, we're buying out your contract, and it's like, why? And it's like, your box office poison. <laughs> and it's oh, okay. Well, I just won you an Oscar though, so <laughs> I don't really know how that works. But whatever, I don't know. And I think that the, I think that the movie, it's almost it's weird because the movie like obviously wants us to sympathize to a degree with Joan because you know we can all sympathize with the burnout star, mm-hmm. you know, the somebody who's being pushed out in favor of the younger models and etc. Mm-hmm. But then you just have Joan like beating up her kids, and I'm like, I mean, I get that people are three dimensional, but. It almost makes you wonder where they want your sympathies really to lie. Yeah, I don't know. And but and then we just see older uh, Christina. Nothing is, re- like, really going wrong with her, and it just gets boring as fuck. Yeah. And, and then she's just friends with her mom, and it's not presented in, like, a, a really complex Stockholm Syndrome kind of way. It's like they just brush over the fact... Like, we get a cut from her choking the shit out of her to them going f- for lunch. And they're like, hee-hee. And she comes over to our apartment, and she's like, hey, check it out. And her mom gives her a pearl necklace, and she's like, hee You know, perhaps that's, perhaps that's meant to be defiance, that they show Christina just is, despite all the abuse, just kind of lives a normal adult life. But it is weird that they didn't show any major aftermath or, you know, symptoms of, you know, living in such terrible conditions when you're a child. She kind of just walks around her apartment sometimes and goes to work, looks kind of sad. That's about (laughs) it. Like, that's all we see. Like, I'm I'm assuming this affected her life in more profound ways than that. Like, it shows some depression or something. I don't know. It's not very good. Uh, it's not very good progression. This, I guess, it's another issue of progression of time when you're showing her as a kid, 
being miserable and then as an adult you're just kind of whatever i don't know yeah i i'm <coughs> sorry i don't know what i would do with this movie i know what i would do which is well i would film it better no <laughs> but like i mean i there's like really basic things to fix this like to make this to get this from like what would you what what, what would be your centered view of this movie like it would be on it would be on the abuse but it would be you wouldn't like, have adult year stuff no okay or i or it would be very small okay so what what would be like your start to finish I wouldn't. I also wouldn't start before Christine was adopted because that's oh, that's another weird thing about the film is that like Joan is basically the main character of this film. Yeah. But then, but the movie's not about her, but it also is. It's like yeah. an, a very unfocused film. Yeah. I would just. I would sort of make. I would sort of play a like psychological, not like psychological horror, because obviously, you know what's going on. But I would I'm trying to think of another film that would be in the same vein as this. Something like, I don't know. I don't know. What's what's a film that's, I don't know. If you, it, I can't think of something off the top of my head. I can't either. For, I haven't seen Sid but and But you can Na- do psychological horror with this. I haven't seen Sid and Nancy. But from what I heard, Sid and Nancy's kind of like that with Gary Oldman, mm-hmm. where, I mean, it talks about their terrible, real, toxic relationship before they ended up dead. Before they ended up Sid Vicious stabbing her. Well, we don't actually know that. So right. We don't do conjecture on the show. Right. Before Sid and Nancy went into a room and then Sid left the room and Nancy was stabbed to death. Nancy died of natural knife causes inflicted on her by unknown assailants. Like uh, John Wayne dying of natural causes at the Nevada shoot. Uh, yeah. Yeah. We can't prove anything. We can't. Anyway, and, just, and yeah. just like Nicole Brown Simpson and her boyfriend perished. Uh, that wasn't on OJ. We just don't know what we, happened there. <laughs> we simply do not know. There's too many moving parts in that one. And we'll never know, unfortunately. Yeah. It sucks. Yeah. But what if he did? What if he wrote a book about that? What if he did? Yeah, you know what? It's nice that he wrote a book showing that maybe he did. Like, what if he did? But, like, we know he didn't. But he didn't. Um, although Arthur Lee Allen was the Zodiac killer, I'm just gonna go on the record. He well, what if he did? What if Arthur Lee Allen did? He yeah. did do it. Well, we don't know. Watch the movie Zodiac. When you see Jake Gyllenhaal look at the guy in who plays Arthur <laughs> Lee Allen in that film, whose name I do not know, you know that guy was <laughs> Arthur. You know this guy playing Arthur Lee Allen is so convincing that you knew Arthur Lee Allen did it. <laughs> And I believe it. Um, so you just have it as kid, kid Christina for the movie. Yeah. Okay. Because like, what is like? I mean, you can show some of the abuse as an adult. There's just so much. F- there's like, I would just make this movie more focused, please. There's too much fat. I would cut away fat. Why do we need to see Joan and her husband bickering about money in an amicable, amicable way, and then like showing Joan defying the board of directors at Pepsi. (laughs) And then nothing comes of it. That's really, that's really when you start to wonder what the fuck am I watching? When, when you see Joan Crawford argue with the board of directors at Pepsi and you remember this is a film about child abuse and you're thinking, where are we? What? There's just things that happen and then nothing come of them later on. Yeah. There's a lot of Chekhov's gun that, uh, 
go un, unfired. Are they shooting back? blanks? They're shooting blanks out here. Yeah, it's just it's strange. I I thought there was something that would come of Joan and her obsession with autographing pictures of herself and having that done a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, perhaps just to show she's vain, but there isn't really a. There's really an end game to that whole idea. Speaking of autographs, I was looking at Mark Hamill's autograph. Guess how much he charges for an autograph? This is just what I saw. What he charged at like a one convention? Uh, Five hundred. No, you shot a little too. It was like two fifty. That's not even that bad. Two fifty cash. And there's like a picture of himself. I I guess you just sign like your poster or whatever. That's really not that bad because otherwise, if you went to a con and you charge forty dollars, like I'll. Even if you don't like Star Wars, let me pay forty dollars to yeah. get Mark Hamill to sign me something. So you yeah. gotta charge high. You gotta weed out the uh, the casuals. The, the casuals, yeah. You gotta get the real Star Warriors in there. <laughs> okay. They gotta know about Luke with five L's and uh, y- Yaddle. Yes. They, they gotta call Baby Yoda Baby Yaddle. Baby, they have to. The true fans call him baby. Call her Baby Yaddle. And the true fans know is about tr- Itchy. Is Baby Yoda? <laughs> I thought Baby Yoda was a boy. No, he is a boy. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, I'm down to just give this movie a rating. I don't have much else to say unless you do. There are some good... I We we shit on this movie, and there's like there's sparks of inspiration in this film. Uh, like, even the scene that's playing right in front of me now where Christina brings a drink while Joan is, you know... Mm, commiserating with one of her companions. Booty calls. And Christina almost does it in a backhanded way as is to undermine her. That's a well done scene. And she's like, here's your drink mommy dearest. Yeah, and then later Joan reams her for her and she's like, you're going to this this church. Chadwick school, Academy. The Chadwick Academy. Which, which I, I laughed so yeah, hard that's, at. That's so funny. Um, but And Christina even gives a little look, looks back and lingers. And that's good. And Jonas is sort of distraught after. That's like there's good s- portions of this film that are just buried under so much garbage. Mm-hmm. And it makes me think like maybe if somebody had been overlooking the script, if somebody it this I think if this movie had been in production and they kind of rolled it back and said we need to fix this a little. They could have salvaged yeah, a if decent, they had a few more writers on it. They could have salvaged a decent movie with better editing, with some more, with like less contrived situations, with some better lines, mm-hmm. um, and some and cutting out stuff that doesn't matter in in regards to the film and in thematic thematically plot wise they just don't matter they yeah, just happen like there's a scene where she just wakes up the kids and they go cut off all the heads of the roses in their garden and i thought it's because they wanted to like spite the house because apparently the studio owned the house or something and they wanted to drive the value of the house down but then they were still living in the house and they always live in the house so what was the point of cutting the roses I just supposed to show that she's. You can yeah, but you I I would cut out those rose scenes and just add more scenes of her abusing her child, and now we'll show that she's a piece of shit more than uh, cutting roses. I think the big thing is I wanted to see the fallout of that, like yeah, and there was no fallout. There isn't like much fallout. Like she's kind of just I guess she's an unhappy kid slash adult or whatever. But I I kind of wanted to see like the psychological effects of mm-hmm. of of such torment that she's being put under and they don't really explore that, which is, 
disappointing. I thought there was going to be a big payoff at the end where Christina's on TV giving her mom a Lifetime Achievement Award or whatever it was. Yeah. And she's going to be like, this is to my mom. Fuck you. Yeah, or so- yeah, I thought that too. You're a piece of shit and you abused us as kids. But then she just like, here's your word, mommy dearest. And I guess that's to show that she's so cucked by her mom. Yeah. But- I, I like the fuck you is supposed to be like... Oh, did she get the last word? Let me write this book that's now adapted into a film, and now everyone knows John Crawford is a bit of a B word. You know what I mean? The bitch word. <laughs> the bitch word. You know. Yeah. So, I don't know. This film has some sparks of potential, and I mean the story, like the actual story, you could easily make a great film out of this. I'd like to see somebody remake this. Yeah, all this, the all the subtle stuff is real good. Like at the scene where at the they're at the restaurant, and then Joan Crawford says, "Yeah, we'll have two steaks rare," because there's a scene earlier on in the movie where Christina, they're eating dinner, and Christina is served raw steak, and she's like, "This is gross. It's bloody." And Joan Crawford is like, "You're not eating until you're not leaving until you eat." And then Christina just sits there, and I was like, "Watch a movie cut five years, and she's still gonna be sitting there at the table." with that steak in front of her but no it, it just it just shows her st- sitting there not eating her steak gets sent to her room still doesn't eat till the next morning and then eventually she gets fed lunch or something yeah but then years later that the restaurant and then joan crawford's like two steaks rare all the subtle the st- subtle stuff is good which is like i'm trying to think like the screen is a screenwriter i want who wrote this film? I'm, yeah, look. I'm at, you can look at it right, right now, because obviously this is based on Christina Crawford's memoir. The screenplay was done by four Holy shit. people, damn it, including the director and the producer. Um, they didn't do a good job. Fuck. Maybe too many cooks in the kitchen in this instance. Maybe. Uh, I'm wondering which of these four men was responsible for the good stuff and who and who was responsible for the Probably bad stuff. Probably not the producer. Frank Perry has done some good stuff. He has some Academy Award nominations. I know he did a lot of crime films that were very well received. Mm. Uh, and this was one of his later films, so maybe he just lost it at that point in time. But it's interesting to see. And I can see why this film has a cult following. Would I watch this again? No. Really, no. No. I don't want to see this again. I'm not going to either. And here's what I'm going to say about this movie. I can't even recommend it because it's not like a Who Killed Captain Alex where I'm going to say like 9.5, like 9 people out of 10 are going to watch that and have fun watching it. You're not going to have fun watching this. I laughed at it just because I thought some parts were just – like it was like a pity laugh or like an embarrassment laugh it's not yeah. like a the room laugh no this is not doesn't to me is not remotely into so bad it's good territory this is like just bad movie yeah for me like i i feel like maybe two out of ten people would watch this and think that it's so bad that it's good and also two out of ten people would watch this and think that it's actually it actually portrays abuse well when it fucking doesn't maybe if you like really fetishize Hollywood or old Hollywood and old Hollywood actresses then maybe you'll you'll find something to enjoy with Faye Dunaway as Joan Crawford Uh, and also if you like over the top abuse scenes of children for all you sick bastards out there. Uh, that's about it. I don't know who else would like this movie. This movie should have been in black and white. I don't know about that. Well, I mean, 
Yeah, maybe. Uh, that would have been in, that would have been well, that would have been a creative choice for this movie, <laughs> uh, well, maybe the first. And this movie was a commercial success, so keep that in mind. What it, year was the release? I don't think we said eighty one. Eighty one. Wow. Nineteen eighty one. Four years after Joan Crawford passed. Fuck. Jesus. Yeah. And made. Uh, made uh, eight times its budget. Oh, she had seven pregnancies with her husband. That was it. And she wasn't. Well, she, they, she just had a lot of miscarriages. That's what it was. Yes. Yeah. Yes, that's what it was. And uh, she's had she had trouble with applications for adoption because they deemed that she was not fit to raise children given her lifestyle as yes. a Hollywood actress, which is to live 265 days on set. And you know what's weird? The Carol Ann, she was played by one actress the entire movie, and then they fake age her at the end, and it's really terrible. Yeah, They that just was... make her eyebrows gray. And they make her hair gray, too. Yeah. That was yeah, that was kind of strange. Although I suppose I don't know. Yeah, that was uh, you know what? Don't fake age people. Don't fake young people. Play people. Get people to play their own age. Yeah. You know, even in Benjamin Button, Brad Pitt as an old man is really kind of sucky. <laughs> and that's a, like a good movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. What would you rate this movie? I'm still struggling. You give it your rating, cause I, cause it's, it's between one and two bags for me. See, I'm gonna give it three bags of popcorn out of ten. Okay. Because, well, I, I said why. There are the good parts that I mentioned, but this movie, like, I think I got up three times to check the runtime while we were watching it, and I remember there was one time I got up and I checked, and and you said the movie's probably almost over. I got up and checked, it and I said half an hour left. And that half an hour went by really slow. Yep. We were like, we checked like two more times. Luke got up to just check to see how much time is in this goddamn movie. We thought, like, and, uh, that's the other thing. The pacing in this movie is kind of bad because of the editing. Yeah. You're like, what point in the plot are we? And I think you even said, like, it's just going to cut to her being dead now. And it did. Yep. This movie is very predictable. Yeah. I mean, it's just... Uh, I, I laughed watching it and because I would also just crack jokes watching it because I didn't really care about this being silent during this movie. Yeah. And, I, like, I would not watch it again. There are good parts to it. I think it had promise to be good. But, yeah, it just, it, mm, it just it was not good. I'm going to give this, I think I'll give it two bags. Okay. And I'll give it two bags because there are some parts that I don't. I think are not just good, but they're like, wow, this is like something that you would see in like a very good movie. So there's outstanding portions in this pretty pretty bad movie. Do you have any examples other than like the ones that you've mentioned? See, oh, like uh, another example is. Oh, let's see. Uh, I'm trying to think. It's very touch and go with this film. Let's see. Yeah. I simply do not know. That's fine. Even oh, even like there's small things like 
when when she goes to the hospital and and her mother's speaking on her behalf as if she's still a child when she's like a 25 year old woman yeah and she's talking to like the soap opera producer yeah and she's like so will you guys wait for her and she's like no and she's like okay or even the scene and there's a good scene where after Faye Dunaway's contract has or Joan Crawford's contract has expired where they're doing laundry and she's sort of like looking for sympathy from her daughter after she shows her money's run out and her daughter really seems to struggle to empathize with her mother mm-hmm. and you understand why it's mainly a, like pity and it's like a sort of like a emotional confusion where she feels bad for her mother but in a way she's almost indifferent to her struggles because of what she's done to her there's there's some emotional like complexity in this film on display but then it's just buried in like these like over the top hilariously bad editing choices pacing choices writing choices even some strange acting choices yeah with these like over the top like temper tantrums and such like that Maybe this is one bag. I don't know. This is like the first time I'm really caught between one and two bags. Mm-hmm. You know what? For today, I'll break the rule. 1.5 bags. We're getting 1.5 bags out of five today because Mommy Dearest is a film like no other. Okay. And, you know, 1.5 bags. This is the only time I will do a half bag Okay. because that is bullshit. I want to say one more thing before we we end this. I don't know if you got this feeling, but um, what's Faye playing Joan Crawford? Joan Crawford's character in this movie like stands out aesthetically compared to anyone else. Like her character looks like she's from the sixties or fifties or whatever. I don't even. And everyone else looks like they're like, like an eighties person. Like her daughter here in the scene just looks like like Christina just looks like a regular joe yeah faye dunaway has a she has a very uh like it's like they put all of their effort into her, her. and i mean she of all the actors or actresses in this film i i think she's the only one of major note not to discredit everybody else but if you know when i looked at the cast listing for this i said oh faye dunaway and then i saw nobody else that i recognize yeah so, actually, the son who plays Christopher, uh, or not the, the young s- one or old one, the actor who plays Adult Christopher, mm-hmm. uh, I did recognize him from something. I'm gonna look it up. What he's in? Hmm. Oh, he's in Sid and Nancy too. Isn't that funny? He looks like. Uh, oh yeah, he's in Gattaca. Yeah, that's a good movie. Yeah, you guys should watch Gattaca. Yeah, Candyman. Yeah, who cares about Candyman? Oh, okay. He looks like, uh, who's the dude from Freddy Got Fingered? Tom Green. He looks like Tom Green. <laughs> I like how Tom Green is the guy. <laughs> I'm sure Tom Green is thrilled to be the guy from Freddy Got Fingered. Oh, I'm sure he loves oh, it. Oh, yeah, he's also in Terminator 2. I did see him in that. What? Yeah, I do remember seeing him in Terminator 2. Who is he in? Yeah, he's. Oh, uh, is he the guy that gets stabbed? What with the milk? Yeah, he's the dad. He's yes, the dad. Yes, 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 yes. Which is better than Terminator One? That yeah, depends who you ask. Holy shit! He's been in quite a few movies. He's, he's in Apollo Eleven, as Buzz Aldrin. He's a he's. 
What? Where? Down, Apollo 11. He's in Apollo 11 and Apollo 13, and he's in Heat. Jesus. And he's in A Few Good Men. Oh, my God. And he's in The Rock, and he's in Air Force One, and Gattaca, and Amistad. And Breast Men. And uh, <laughs> Breast Men. And, uh, well. Okay. Now he's in Taken. Superman slash Batman as Captain Adam. What? Is that a cartoon? Yeah. Oh, okay. He's in Kick-Ass. Oh, shit. Son of Batman as Kirk Langstrom, a.k.a. Man-Bat. And... Interesting. Recently, he was in... You guys remember Transcendence, that uh, crappy Johnny Depp movie? Which one? Oh, very funny. Pirates of the Caribbean? Don't do that. All right? He's had Sweeney Todd. He's had Ed Wood. Yeah, I know. He's had uh, Sweeney Todd. Edward Scissorhands. He was in Platoon. Was he? Yeah. Uh, you know what? He's my, in Jump my, Street. My favorite uh, Johnny Depp movie is probably Friday the 13th. Like Not it, in terms of his performance, just, just a movie he's in. Really? Yeah. I like it. What? I like Nightmare. You know, like Ed Wood. I like. Wait, what did I say? Did I say Nightmare on Elm Street? Yeah. Yeah, I like Nightmare on Elm Street more than Ed Wood. You like Nightmare on Elm Street more than Platoon? Yeah. Jesus. I mean, shit. That's the end of the show, right there. We can't really continue after <laughs> you said that. God wait, damn. was he in? Oh, wait, scroll down. Sorry. Oh, I thought it said Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I was like, what? No, Once Upon a Time in Mexico, yeah. which is the prequel <laughs> to Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Remember when Johnny Depp uh, did, uh, what's a Native The lone Amer- uh, racist? What's a Native American blackface called? Redface? Racist? Well yeah, well, yeah, that was an odd choice. What is, is Johnny Depp just white? All right, hold on, guys. <laughs> um... Yeah, I mean, his mom's name was Betty Sue, and his dad's <laughs> name was John Christopher. This <laughs> dude came straight out of the Pecker Woods. <laughs> uh, no doubt about it. And he was, and he used to play in a band when he was a kid. That's it. He yeah. played the cello. I mean, come the now. violin. Come now, but he's kind of he's kind of tan. Uh, I, sure, we didn't make a uh, movie for the week after next week, but next week is Clerks. Um, is there anything that you want to do after Clerks? Yeah. Um. Yeah. Didn't I? I feel like I mentioned something and I already forgot. You need to pull that list. Up. You need to have that list on hand that we have. I was going to. Yeah, that's my bad. Um, gonna have I have to, a list here on me that I can just pick a movie. I'm gonna have to look up cult movies on Google. Ah, let's do Donnie Darko. No. Well, we have to do... I know, I just don't want to... Like, let's just push it. (laughs) Let's just wait a bit. You're going to procrastinate all the crap, and then we're going to be watching crap for a lot of weeks. I know. And then you're not going to enjoy that. I know, but let's just do it anyways. Uh, Warriors... Ooh, Days and Confused. Hell yeah. Let's do... We'll do that in summer. Yeah, Warriors, come out and play... Do you want to do the Evil Dead? No, not yet. Okay. Should we do Akira? I could do Akira. Let's do Showgirls. 
No, I'm going to procrastinate on that one, too. Well, let's... Oh, we should do Reefer Madness. No, we're doing that 420. Wait, would that be... Actually, shit, check the... Check the... Oh, wait, no, we're in March. We're not in April. I'm retarded. No, I mean, next month. Although, that will be on 420, so that's good. Yeah. Uh, We can do... uh, Reanimator. Do you want to? Yeah, fuck it. We can do Reanimator. Because I just bought the Blu-ray, which is holy, holy shit. It has a page of extras at the back of that yeah, thing. I'm that, excited to crack into those. It's a little much, to be quite honest. Because did you know the, there's a musical adaptation of Reanimator? No. And that was originally what it was going to be. A, like It was written to be a a play. Yeah. And they were like, no. Ain't nobody seen that. I like the producer says something like, "Money is in horror is in like video." Yeah. And then he's like, "Okay, I'm making it in t- into a TV show." And they're like, "Nope, try again." Movie. And he's like, "Movie?" Like, yeah, yeah there okay. you go. All right. So yeah, we'll do Reanimator. Clerks and then Reanimator. I'm waiting for Gattaca to become a cult movie because that's a good ass movie, but I've get, not seen it. Doesn't get talked about as enough. So good science fiction made no money. Oh Jesus! Uh, made a third of its made budget. no money and it has Ethan Hawke, which is why probably why people avoid it. But it's good stuff. Jude Law is great in that movie. I love I love Jude Law in that movie. Uh, now onto the Rolling Stone top twenty five best um, cult movies. Um, Repo Man. Repo Man. Why isn't it letting you scroll? I don't know. Princess Bride. We did. Uh, the Room. Okay. Okay. Stop doing that. All right, we're just gonna skip to one. Number one, The Evil Dead. Rocky Horror Picture Show. Look, okay. we're never gonna do this movie on the goddamn show. We are. I'm not gonna watch this piece of shit. The Big Lebowski at number two. Okay, sure, sure, it should be high. This is Spinal Tap. I, that's a movie that. Okay, this pro- is just a Rolling Stone just picking rock movies. I'm real. I'm procrastinating. This is Spinal Tap because I have a bad feeling about this movie. Uh, Criterion Collection version. They have a they have a Criterion Collection version of The Rock and by Michael Bay. They have and Armageddon. They have two to three Michael Bay films on there. Okay. I feel like there are movies that they want to do, and there are movies that they just have the opportunity to do, and they're like, "Yeah, we'll do Armageddon." Like Armageddon. A, a Clockwork Orange. Is that a call movie? I guess so. Pink <laughs> Floyd. They're just picking rock movies. We got to do Pink Floyd The Wall. Although that's another the, one I'm dreading because. Do you think it's gonna be like too artsy? No, I don't. I I would love it to be too artsy, but it's probably just gonna be completely un. It's just gonna be like these guys were drugged out of their minds and they just were like shit posting, basically. The Evil Dead. I don't have faith. I f- for whatever reason, I have, I don't have faith in this project. I like Pink Floyd, but mm-hmm. nah, I don't know. There's something about that. Phantom of the Paradise. Which we miss a screen. Well, I miss a screening of. Shit racer head. Don't. Dazed and Confused. Warriors, come out and play. The Blues Brothers. I hate the Blues Brothers solely because that I have dumbass. this DVD <laughs> copy of the Big Lebowski, and there's a stupid fucking trailer. Can you find the trailer? Yeah, I'm going to pull it up right now. The trailer with John Belushi and Dan Aykroyd in the Blues Brothers. We're not cops. We're musicians. <laughs> 
And I've seen that trailer so many fucking times watching this DVD copy of The Big Lebowski. And I just hate this movie now. All right, guys, we got it right here. Get ready. Because John Belushi <laughs> and Dan Aykroyd and Dan Aykroyd are back in blue. Hit it. The Blues Brothers, the 25th anniversary edition DVD. One mission. There's something about One mission. There's something about early We're on a mission from God. 2000s late 90s trailers that are just so bad. Like that was a joke they made in Rick and Morty. One mission, two brothers. Two brothers. We're on a mission from God. Two brothers. Are you the police? No, ma'am. We're musicians. <laughs> I feel like the blue, and I haven't even seen it, but I feel like the Blues Brothers are in the same vein as like Ghostbusters. Yeah, that's I, that's a big reason why I don't want to see it, uh, because conf- we have to make a big confession here, which is neither of us like Ghostbusters. Like it is a boomer film. Like I do not. If somebody said, "Let's watch." Ghostbusters in a social setting, I would actively vote against it. And I've seen the movie tons of times. I've seen it in the park, uh, in Memorial Park. Is that what it's called? In front of the legislative building? Something like that. I've seen it there twice. I've watched it many times at home. I watched it when I was a kid, so I could have nostalgia for it. I hate, like, I don't like Ghostbusters. I've seen it twice, both when I was like around like within the last few years and I just I failed to understand the appeal um I failed to understand how anybody could think that new Ghostbusters trailer is going to be an interesting movie cuz that movie looks so unbelievably uninteresting that movie honestly looks more uninteresting to me than 2016 Ghostbusters did because 2016 Ghostbusters was I like I hate women well, 2016 Ghostbusters was like, you know, it's just Ghostbusters, but they're women, and we're going to make dumb, like, Kristen Wiig-esque jokes, yeah. where it's like, oh, hell no, <laughs> and Chris Hemsworth is stupid, and Kristen Wiig is like a proto-lesbian or whatever, Yeah. and then this new one is like, just and embarrassed. Pandering. It's in, it's pandering. It looks dull as hell. Like, I don't want to see any strangers, kids, fucking kids anymore. <laughs> Get those motherfuckers off my TV, see off my movies. It. I don't want to see a single one of those guys anymore. I'm so sick of seeing this like frog-looking black-haired kid. <laughs> Tired of seeing the. He looks like uh, he looks like Jeff Goldblum when he's in Fly Transformation. <laughs> I'm tired of seeing like Drake squeeze everywhere. Mm-hmm. His little girlfriend running around. I don't want to see that like McKenna Grace, that little girl that plays every blonde, every young version of blonde actresses in every movie. I'm like, I think I despise kid actors, period. <laughs> Like and going back to the Ghostbusters thing, one reason that I don't like it is because like it has almost no aesthetic to it. All it has is Slimer, the fucking car. What is the car called? And I've seen the actual car in person too. The Ecto One. Ecto One, and Stay Puff Marshmallow Man. That's all they have from the first movie. And the lines are like. This I, collect, man, th- I collect fungus and spores. This like, man has no dick. <laughs> like I just don't get it. Like I get, I I guess it's like deadpan comedy, but like it's it's not good. 
It's not that funny. Like, w- when you watch Reanimator, I think that has good deadpan comedy. The best part of the movie is when Dan Aykroyd gets a ghost blowjob, and he goes, <laughs> 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 Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, woo, woo! And he goes, whoa, whoa, I'm coming, oh! <laughs> And he's like, oh, my God. I don't know. Ghostbusters. I'll, here, I'll give it right now. Uh, <laughs> I'll give it two bags. Like it's like it's a decently it's got production by it's, this it's, is a double episode. It's acting. It's finally acted. We're not doing Ghostbusters. It's two bags. Like <laughs> I don't really want to watch it ever again. I saw it twice, and that was maybe one time too many. Uh, I just don't care. And two hundred cops. Use of unnecessary violence in the apprehension of the Blues Brothers has been approved. Maintain pursuit. It's the hilarious fan <laughs> favorite. With an all-star cast, including Ray Charles, John Candy. You know what? I'm just going to end the episode on this uh, on this trailer. I think that's a good way to end it, on this Blues Brothers 25th anniversary DVD trailer <laughs> featured on the Big Lebowski DVD. I'm not sure which which release that is, but it's one of them. Uh, anything else you want to say? No. Uh, get ready for Clerks next week. Uh, we'll try to see if Kevin Smith has actually produced anything of value in his entire life. All right. Stay classy and uh, stay safe out there. Aretha Franklin, Carrie Fisher, and more. How much for the little girl? The women. How much for the women? <laughs> Only one comedy brings the music and mayhem together, like the outrageous Blues Brothers. The Blues Brothers, 25th Anniversary Edition DVD. Available.